Welcome to Crime and Wine. I'm Pamela Fagan Hutchins, your host, and this is the show where I talk with other crime fiction writers about the stories of thrills and suspense that will leave you mystified, sometimes horrified, and always wanting more. Please join me in welcoming today's special guest. Well, hello out there. This is Pamela, and I'm recording another show from halfway around the world from my normal stomping grounds in Denmark today. And um, I am excited because I'm interviewing somebody who I share an editor with. This this is the second time I've done this. And her name is Holly S. Roberts. And we're here today to say congratulations to her for the publication of her brand new Eve Bennett thriller, Only Girl Alive. Welcome to the show, Holly. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it is awesome that we share an editor. We could just talk about Helen this whole time if you want. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I interviewed DK Hood recently on the show and, and we had a few Helen moments. So when Helen watched, we were both kind of crossing our fingers to be sure we didn't get in trouble. <laughs> I love Helen. So I don't think I could say anything bad about her. Me too. Me too. And I loved your book. Oh my gosh. So tell us how you came up with the premise for Only Girl Alive. Well, um, and I'll try and keep it condensed a little bit on the short side here, but I was a sex crimes and homicide detective in Arizona. I'm retired now, and I worked up in the northeast part of the state, not far, and it was a few hours from um, Je or Warren Jeff's compound up there with the FLDS cult, and I ran into women that who had actually left his cult were still practicing polygamy marriage. And um, I interacted with them and I discovered a lot of things. Um, they were very nervous um, when they had to talk to me. Um, they didn't want to tell me anything. Um, most of the time we were, it was something involving one of their children that had been unfortunately molested in some way, shape or form. And I basically just got to the point where I threw it out there immediately. I don't care how many sister wives you have. I don't care um, what your family lifestyle is. I care about your child. And that seemed to open the doorway for me. So I've always been fascinated with that cult aspect. And like I said, these women had gotten away. Their families had left as a family unit. And they would normally come into the police department with several wives um, with them um, as support. And anyway, I had a lot of respect for the fact that they did talk to me um, when talking to police isn't something they normally do. And we solved every single problem we had, um, came to a good resolution. But the cult itself um, fascinated me. I was also a terrorist liaison officer at the time that um, Warren Jeffs was on the run. So I got inside information would come in on a secure email to me that I would disseminate to other law enforcement if I thought it was relevant. So I really kept up on him and the cult. And then following the case, I discovered 
that a judge, a federal judge, gave, um, he had an opportunity to disband all the law enforcement in that area, not my area, but the area where the cult was. And he chose not to do it. Um, I, in my opinion, I'm, this is personal, but I felt he should have. But he assigned oversight for 10 years to the law enforcement in the area. And that gave me the idea for Eve Bennett. And she is actually the detective sergeant that is given the oversight. And she gets to build her, her own team. And it's a very diverse team. And she also came from an FLDS background, which is one of the reasons she's chosen to lead her team. So that's kind of how it came about. It was, for me, I, I, now I live in Wyoming. We have, we have um, a fairly large LDS population in Wyoming, mm-hmm. nearly, not nearly in Utah, et cetera. But I found it extremely fascinating because it with, you know, with any world religion, there's the dark side, right? And right. so, you know, reading about this, it was horrifying to read how religion turned on its head became so evil. Yep. So I couldn't with, agree more. With respect to the story, you guys, so Eve Bennett is as Holly said, she's the detective sergeant with oversight in this area because so many of the people in a position of power within that area were, you know, basically they were in the cult themselves. And so she was fighting, she is in the story fighting against um, people that don't have the best interest of anything but the cult at heart. Right. Right. Now, so you have spent years as a homicide detective, and we've got to know, Mm -hmm. so you're writing now, do you miss law enforcement? Oh, goodness. Um, Every so often, and I usually try to purposely stub my toe when that happens. (laughs) 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 Usually... It's when I talked to one of the men, I was the, actually the only female in my department and I am still friends with my, one of my chiefs of police and he is retired now. And we talk once a year on opening day and I miss it when I talk to him, uh, opening baseball day. He's a huge baseball fan and gotcha. I'd have to ride in the car. I'd have to ride in the car with him and listen to baseball games and I would <laughs> complain the whole time. So I contact him every year on opening day. It's kind of our thing. And we may text back and forth a couple times a year, but opening day is our day for baseball. And um, then I have another friend who's now a sergeant. Um, He came to me out of the drug task force. He had a canine and I got to spend a year with him. I was his supervisor and I got to spend a year with him and his canine and And he won't mind me saying this, but he was a problem child and he was put under me to fix the problems. And we butted heads. We didn't like each other to begin with, but we became literally best friends. So when I talk to him, I miss it. And other than that, no. (laughs) I love both those stories. What you need is one of those little wrist rubber bands that you can use and pop yourself really hard every time you think about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, um, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, um, there are aspects. I, as sad as this is going to sound, because I wouldn't wish any of the cases on anyone that I had to deal with, um, but I miss my survivors. Um, I don't call them victims. I call them survivors. And they really changed my life in very good, positive ways. And because of their strength and the way they survived in court battles. And, you know, when you go into court and you've been sexually assaulted, you're actually the one on trial. That has not changed. And right. I have had women do amazing things in court that I just had to stand up and applaud and I couldn't. And well, so um, that part I miss. I think that comes through in your writing and with Eve's empathy for the people in the community that are survivors from her past cases. And we're not going to give anything away, away here, right. but are survivors <laughs> in this case and the way that she questions witnesses, uh, you know, so it, it had a, I guess it had a beautiful, long-lasting impact on you and through you now other people who read um, the thrillers that you're writing. So what got you into writing? Well, um, that's another kind of um, sad story, but I had a very public, um, horrible, horrible case that um, changed me forever. Um, somebody said to me one time, a case like that takes a piece of your soul. And I couldn't agree with that statement anymore. But um, about a year later, I pretty much, without saying I had a nervous breakdown, I had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And my chief of police, who I'm friends with, um, he called me in. I had a, a, a very bad incident that I lost my cool. And he called me into his office. And he said, I'm sending you to a psychologist. And I said just about every name in the book. I wasn't happy. Um, police officers hate psychology. And <laughs> right. um, he forced me. He said, you're not coming back until you're cleared by a psychologist. So I went kicking and screaming because I wanted to get back at work. And I had um, victim survivors that counted on me to do my job. So I was not happy. And I walked into the psychologist's um, office with a huge chip on my shoulder. And she um, sat me down and started talking to me. And one of the questions she asked is, what would you do if you were not a police officer? And I said, well, I owned a bookstore for many, many years. And I always knew I would write a book. So she gave me homework. And it was so funny because she said, all right, well, before you come to the next visit, which was the following Wednesday, she said, said, um, I want you to write me three pages of anything you want. And I turned to her and I said, you are releasing me today, correct? And it's not easy to stand up to a detective when they say that. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, um, no, I am not releasing you. And so I stormed out of the office and it actually wasn't far from my home. And I had walked there because that was the only way I could kind of get out of my head. So I walked home, stormed home and sat down to my computer and I had homework like a two-year-old, or I should say, I don't know who gets home, a 12-year-old. And I sat down and I started writing and I wrote the first three chapters of my first book. And I took it to her the following week and it took me all week. I wrote the first three chapters 
and I literally never stopped writing. And her and I, I don't see her professionally anymore, but we have become very good friends. And she's Aww. another one I talk to once a year, so she knows that I'm doing well. I love that. I love that. She yeah. was good, wasn't she? She just got she right was. into you. <laughs> Oh, man, she was good. And, and she stood up to me, but she did release me the second meeting. So I only had to take two weeks off of work. I was able to go back. And um, I, I don't know what I would have done except probably cry my eyes out. <laughs> but <laughs> if she hadn't have, but she did release me. And and, um, and I have to say, therapy made a big difference for everybody out there, for cops, any cop that happens to listen, therapy made a huge difference. And it really helped me, um, you know, dealing in sex crimes that also turn into homicides. Um, that is a very rough gig. And many police officers would come up and say, I don't know how you do sex crimes. It is kind of the lowest job on the totem pole as far as the one nobody wants to have. And it's horrible because most of the cases deal with children. And, I was going to say, um, it has to be kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still have several of my cases, um, my survivors, that um, contact me. And one even came through town and stayed the night um, oh. in my home. And yes, and I missed the last visit she came through. I wasn't available, but... Um, but we get together and we have dinner when she, when she does, when she's in town, when she can't stay. So things like that just kind of make my life um, a good place, make my job a good thing. Um, anyway, and, so writing is my world. <laughs> and writing, it's like permanent therapy, you know, you just can keep it, working it out. It is. And, and I do, there is so much truth um, in everything I write and I write, um, the thrillers are a new thing for me. I write cozy mysteries under the name Susie Ivy. And then on my backlist, if anybody wants to visit wickedstorytelling.com on my backlist, which is an indie backlist, um, I write very, um, how do I say this? Um, um, gut-wrenching, sexy, naughty. Oh, no. naughty. That's a good word too. Um, <laughs> naughty romance books. Um, they are not oh. nice romance. Some of the stories are, but for the majority of them, they're not nice. And there's something behind each one that I'm kind of working out um, through my life, through my past. And that's how I do it now. I do it in my writing. I love it. I love it. Well, now we're going to play something called the speed round. Everybody goes through it on my show. And one of these days I may compile the answers or something and compare you guys. But um, I am just going to ask you a couple of questions and you can answer with whatever comes into your head. So first of all, okay. you're sitting down to write the next Eve Bennett thriller and the outfit you put on is what? My daytime pajamas. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I have two pairs I alternate between. Um, so daytime pajamas, super comfy. All right. And now it is time to um, pick dinner on a writing day. And you're given the choice sushi, sushi or pizza. Which is it? Veggie pizza. Hands down, veggie pizza. Veggie pizza. Um, so for me, it's going to be, I'm, I'm the boring one. It's going to be gluten-free and dairy-free and all non-allergenic. Um, but I can eat the veggies with you. 
Well, I do not put cheese on my pizza, so I'm with you there. Um, I eat my pizza and I make my own bread and it is gluten-free. We have a celiac in the house. So so we do not have any gluten in our house at all. My husband, completely gluten-free, which is why I do it. Um, He is a big fan of the mix Better Batter. If you've ever found that gluten-free mix, you can get it off Amazon. I have to throw that out there. It's the best one we found, but we usually make our own mix. Um, Okay. All right. Are you a dog, cat, or neither person? Okay. I have two dogs. Um, Both have um, huge anxiety disorders. Um, I own cats. I used to love cats, but I am allergic to their dander. And my last cat would get upset with me and she would pee in my Kleenex box. So when I would take a clean in my Kleenex box, never caught her. But when I would pull the Kleenex out to blow my nose because I was allergic to her, I would regret it. And anyway, I swear I would never own another cat after she died. So I never have and I never plan on it. I am a dog person and a reptile person, but I don't have any reptiles. Snakes or um, bearded dragons? Um, or Actually, I... Um, I, I like them all snakes because I do like mice and rats. I'm an animal lover. That's all there is to it. Um, I love spiders. Um, I had a pet scorpion as a child. I had a pet tarantula when I was 19. Um, I, um, I had tortoises. Um, my husband, um, it got behind the wheel well of his truck and he was going golfing and he ran over my last tortoise. Um, which is still horrifying to both of us. <laughs> yes. um, I walked yes. in the door. I know I walked in the door and he was standing there and he golfed um, every week and I like a faithful golfer. And I'm like, what are you doing home? And he looked at me like he was going to cry. And he told me and I'm like, okay. And that kept you from golfing. And he's like, I just can't believe he was so upset. So anyway, um, I like all animals, but dogs are my thing. I have two dogs. Dogs are my thing too. And I tell your husband, I once ran over one of our pet goats. So I'm with him. I'm still oh, not no. over it. I'm still yes. not. I'm yeah. so not over it. Okay. Last, last question. Um, so, oh gosh, it's hard to pick. I'm Okay. Are you a plotter or a pantser? I actually just want oh, to know with this myself. Oh, a definite pantser. And it really hurts um, in publishing, um, traditional publishing, it's really hard for me. So I'm, I'm a pantser. May I ask what you are? I am a kind of halfway in between and I'm with you on the, how much it hurts in traditional because they want your synopsis up front. Then they want, you know, to actually have follow it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So what I did on this book that I'm writing now, is I use the uh, Microsoft Word feature where you can set styles with your chapter headings. And I had three lines for Mm -hmm. each chapter heading that created an outline as I went because I was like, by God, I am going to make sure that my story arc fits the five-act structure, blah, blah, blah. And each one (laughs) of them had where the scene occurred, what happened, and the and the date and time, so I could make sure there were no holes. I was not going to run into the same troubles as last time. Blankety blank blank <laughs> blank. Right. Thank so. you. Thank you. And maybe um, maybe I need to try that, but um, I don't want Helen to count on it. So. I- <laughs> <laughs> 
No, oh, we need we need a a support group for each other. We do. We really do. Have you worked with Billy, her assistant yet? I haven't yet. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Billy um, real quick because we've mentioned Helen and I have been working with Billy and she's been holding my hand again as a pantser. So I do want to make sure I give that shout out to her too. All right. So Billy, you are loved. Thank you. Well, and and speaking of loved, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Holly. And I hope that this book is the start of a fantastic series for you. Oh, you and me both. And thank you so much for having me and for putting up with my side of the mountain slow internet. It was great. And you guys, I wanted to be sure that you heard again that the book is Only Girl Alive. Go check it out. I read it. I got to read an advanced copy. I loved it. And if you are wanting to know about upcoming shows, you can visit my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. Read the books ahead of time if they're available. If not, snatch them up as soon as the show comes out. You can catch my books there too. And I'm not going to argue if you do. My latest releases are Bighorn and Sitting Duck. This has been, as always, a solely owned and copyrighted production of Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Catch me next time. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining us today on Crime and Wine, chats with crime fiction authors and Pamela Fagan Hutchins. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will check back in with us next time for more thrills, suspense, and stories that will mystify, sometimes horrify, and always leave you wanting more.